Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture. I'm Robert Bounds. On today's show, we are continuing to peer into the long months of 2024 that lie ahead and pick out the cultural bright spots we think you should have your gimlet eyes upon. This week, we're training the spotlight onto the hallowed boards of the theatre stage. Among others, we'll be telling you all about a lively Scar musical, a new play about the architect of the NHS, and a Broadway debut from one of America's greatest comedic actors. And with me on this endeavour to highlight the very best of theatre in 2024 is the culture editor at the Evening Standard, Nancy Durrant, and theatre critic at the International New York Times, Matt Wolfe. Welcome both to the programme. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely Thank to you. have you here. You. Happy New Year. We're still in the realms of Happy New Year, 100%. aren't we? Okay. HNY. 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 We're just keeping it. Okay, let's keep it. Let's keep it slimmed down, Nancy. I like it. <laughs> so, before we get into your choices for the year ahead and for the spring specifically, um, we're going to talk about some things that are on at the moment or that you've recently seen that are kind of floating your boat in the West End and further abroad. And Matt, uh, your your pick is Edward Scissorhands. Sadler as well as... Yeah, this is a dance theatre piece by Matthew Mm. Bourne for his company, which has been around for a long time. It's uh, an adaptation, of course, of the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp film. It's been seen several times before, but Matthew's wonderful because every time he does one of his pieces, he goes back to the well. And I had seen it previously, but this time it's more moving. It seems fuller bodied, very emotional. And it's a fascinating thing for dance because, of course, dance is all about touch. And Mm. if you've got a story about somebody for whom touch is potentially lethal, uh, you have the material for a pretty wonderful drama. And so it works as dance and as drama. Sounds beautiful. Is it as monochromatic as the movie? Uh, yes, but there are sort of wonderful swirls of colour. There's a nice nod to Christmas, if that's not too antiquated at the moment. And uh, it's just a lovely piece and worth catching in its remaining few days. I like it. I'm also wearing some Christmas knitwear, so I think we're fine to still be mentioning very good. Yuletide. It's fine. It's very warm in here. <laughs> uh, Matt, we're going to stay with you for your second choice, and we're going to Broadway for... The great genius that is Sondheim. Yeah, I mean, Sondheim died a couple of years ago, but funnily enough, now he's more in vogue on Broadway than he ever was during his life, which is kind of <laughs> extraordinary. But anyway, uh, this is an amazing revival directed by Britain's own Maria Friedman of Merrily We Roll Along, which in 1981 was a legendary Broadway flop. It lasted two weeks, and now it's grossing about $2 million a week. So that's quite a transformation across 40 years. And two of the three stars are... Jonathan Groff, who's a brilliant American performer, and rather surprisingly, Daniel Radcliffe, who is wonderful in it. Mm. And just the whole thing courses with feeling, uh, remorse, regret, all the great Sondheim emotions, but just a, a real sense of occasion, which is not what you would have thought from this title back in the day. Yeah, and all that just bonkers, clever lyricism yeah. just pours off the yeah. pours off the stage. Wonderful. Uh, that's Merrily We Roll Along on Broadway and Edward Scissorhands uh, in London's Sadler's Wells for Matt. Nancy, your first choice is the motive in the queue. Enter ghost, new lighting state. Please don't skip through this piece. That is what we will make. A new hamlet for our time, held on our shoulders together. It truly doesn't matter what the ghost looks like if the audience believes, Richard, that you're seeing the face of your dead father. That's what we need. Just that. I only hope that can be found.
It's at the Noel Coward here in the West End now. It is at the Noel Coward. It was at the National. It's on until March the 23rd. This is just a really good play. Yeah. Really good. It's about the 1964 Broadway production of Hamlet, in which John Gielgud directed Richard Burton, which ended up obviously being a massive hit, but uh, was, by the sound of it, a very tortuous process, uh, with a huge amount of clashes between these two massive personalities, but also two very different ways of acting and thinking about acting and being actually just sort of being a man and it really it's really well written it's by Jack Thorne so obviously it's really well written mm. it's funny it's absorbing and Mark Gatiss is Sir John Gielgud he is excellent he really gets those mannerisms down um, and he's such a lovely layered actor I think people mm. underestimate that about him he um, can switch he, on the turn of a sixpence from tragedy to comedy in this play absolutely. from being the emotional scenes to the to the funny ones he's waspish and yeah. and, 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 and then sort of innocent abroad in New York isn't he yeah he's absolutely wonderful I think but jo- you know Johnny Flynn but Richard Burton not an easy man to play I think especially not for a man as as physically slight as someone like Johnny Flynn but he carries that swagger much much better than I thought he would mm. and Tuppence Middleton actually as Elizabeth Taylor I think she really holds her own she's not the best written character in the play but I'm very keen to see it again now that it's in the West End because I think they've amplified the physicality of that relationship and obviously that was a huge part of Burton and Taylor's relationship they love to be inappropriate with people with each other in public you know it was really part of the kind of performance I felt it really sexy um, so I'm kind of I'm really keen to see how that works actually it's wonderful I mean you're very close to the stage here in, in the Noel Coward theatre we lucky enough to see it just before Christmas and having tickets that put us there but it's an amazing thing it's so it is super physical and who is the who did the set design it's uh Es Devlin yes and it's very plain Jane but it's super powerful it's super clever it Uh, really works beautifully put together I love the um the the rehearsal room yeah that sort of it's it's a great slightly elevated I'm not going to lie rehearsal room that's (laughs) it's really it's really wonderful and the final scene the final yeah. shot if you like is is a sort of wonderful coup de théâtre from her as much as from the actor on the yeah. stage it's great and there are so many plays within plays yeah. in yeah yeah you get, bits, you get really lots, good bits of hamlet there's a lot going I mean, on <laughs> exactly there's a lot of value for money and uh just quickly we're going to touch on operation mincemeat yes which is the most fun i've had at the theater in ages it's i've seen it twice now it's at the fortune theater it's booking till september the 21st at the moment i think it's been extended maybe seven times mm. it's a retelling of that story Second World War operation to trick the Germans into leaving Sicily, which was a crucial position so the Allies could take it. And it involved basically a bunch of men and women in MI5 creating a character for a dead man, dropping him in the sea with a briefcase full of fake documents and hoping that the right people found it and gave it to Hitler and that then he believed it and then he took the Germans out, which is completely insane, (laughs) but worked. And it's done by this great theatre company, Spit Lip. They play all the roles themselves. The songs, for, for it is a musical... Please don't. By the way, listeners, it's not like the film, as I was told before we switched on the microphone. So not like the film. The songs are hilarious. They are very clever. The different types of music are brilliantly uh, wrought. And the energy is immense. And then every now and again, they will just grab your heart and break it in two. It is brilliant. You have to see it. Sounds like like that's a threat and a promise (laughs) from Nancy Durrant. Thank you. So that was our kind of quickfire roundup of what's on, what's what's been recently on in the West End and further abroad. And Matt, now we get into the meat and potatoes Mm -hmm. uh, of uh, our show today. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start at London's National Theatre with Nye. Who is he? Well, Anarin Bevan was the architect of the National Health Service, the NHS, in the UK. 
uh, something to which I've become a great convert in my years here uh, as a displaced New Yorker. And uh, this is interesting for a lot of reasons. One is that it's one of the, if not the last production at the National uh, before he steps down, directed by its leader, uh, Rufus Norris, who is ceding uh, his tenure in 2025 to Indy Rufus Singham. So obviously there will be a lot of attention given to whatever he chooses to do. Uh, the author of it, Tim Price, isn't a star playwright. He's not like a Jack Thorne or somebody like that. He's written for the World Court and elsewhere. But obviously they're investing a lot in a not-so-well-known name uh, as a writer just hoping that, you know, he will rise to the occasion. Michael Sheen, wonderful, of course, actor who's appeared many times at the National and elsewhere, uh, is playing this character. And there's sort of a tradition on the Olivier stage of State of the Nation plays about Britain. I mean, back in the day... I was going to say, this is one of potentially three in the list today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I remember years ago, David Hare had his trio of plays, Marmarine Judges, The Absence of War, Race and Demon, and they sort of shone a light on, on contemporary Britain back then. And then, of course, Dear England, which was on recently, uh, using football as a way to look at kind of society at large. And now this. So I assume that, obviously, you know, the formation of the NHS in the 1940s is going in this version to have some sort of resonance for the country at large today. And I'll be curious to see how those connections are made. Uh, I gather it's quite a surreal fantasia uh, as a piece of writing. It's not kind of a literal, you know, documentary of any kind. So I'm just interested to see what the approach will be and how we connect to it. Apparently there are, yeah, there are dream sequences yeah. in which Nye Bevan is... Uh, having nightmares or dreams or nightmares about arguing with Churchill over rearmament. Mm. It's not a musical, mm. um, Nancy. So. Mm. <laughs> Although, well, it might be. The Spitlip's next project. Nye Bevan was obviously yeah. amazing, was famous for being an, a, a phenomenal, I think he was a minor, minor son, or maybe mm-hmm. he, he himself had been a minor, but rose up through the Labour ranks, sort of, you know, in the 20s and 30s, was an amazing orator. And he was an amazing speaker. So it lends people, itself to the stage. Yeah, it? and a lot of people said about him that he was possibly the most influential figure in the political arena who wasn't himself prime minister. Mm. You know, such was his power and authority. So let's see. Sounds wonderful. That is nigh at the National, 24th of Feb until early May 2024. Um, Nancy, we're going to the hills of California nominally at least, in this play, which is new from Jez Butterworth. Yes, absolutely. So this is at the Harold Pinter Theatre. And I I just sort of think that a new play by Jez Butterworth is always an event, mm. really. I mean, he's the writer of The Ferryman, but particularly, actually, Jerusalem. That's the one that everybody's mm. going to remember, which was a huge hit with Mark Rylance, came back relatively recently. The Ferryman, as I said, and also The River, which was at the Royal Court with Dominic West. This one is actually based around a group of women, though, specifically um, sisters who convene at their mother's house in Blackpool uh, in the very, very hot, dry summer of 1976 while she's sort of dying upstairs. Um, And you can imagine there's going to be an awful lot of kind of stuff about family and sisterhood and all of that kind Mm. of thing. And his partner or wife, possibly, I'm not sure which, Laura Donnelly, is starring in it. She was also the lead in The Ferryman opposite Paddy Considine when it opened. And she is brilliant. I think she's really wonderful and I think she's had a lot of input, particularly into The Ferryman. The Ferryman mm-hmm. was based, I think, around a story from her family, um, which is a Northern right. Irish family. Yeah. And so she's... I, I feel like she's... 
I feel confident in this, you know, man writing a play about a bunch of women yeah, because right. I feel like he's someone who's, whose partner gives him an awful lot of notes, he's, <laughs> at yes. the very least. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but most um, excitingly, though, about this, or perhaps as excitingly... A study door covered in... The outside of which is covered in post-it notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that um, Sam Mendes is coming back to direct it. Yeah. Uh, who's Mendes, do, who's who you do, might know from the Bond films. Who you might know, and also directs the uh, the motive of the queue at absolutely. the Nell Cowan. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So about. he's coming back to do that one. So I'm just I'm just really looking forward to a really good, kind of meaty, straight play that mm. gets people excited. Sounds wonderful. It's the Hills of California, all about. Blackpool in 1976, although that's at least the setting um, for this <laughs> for this uh, family history. Uh, it's on from the end of January until the 15th of June. Where is that on at? Sorry. It's at the Harold Pinter Theatre. It's at the Harold Pinter Theatre. Nancy, thank you very much. Matt, we're going back to you. While we're in State of the Nation plays, we're going to the Enemy of the People at the Duke of York's Theatre. Yeah, this is a very interesting, I can't think of another example of this in recent years, where the same classic text, in this case Ibsen's Enemy of the People, Mm. as you say, is being done in two totally different versions on either side of the Atlantic, not exactly concurrently, but near enough, in London at the Duke of York's Theatre, Matt Smith is starring as Dr. Stockman, the, the you know, man of principle who kind of stands for conscience and rectitude against forces that threaten those two virtues at every turn. The press release says that this will have, you know, this will be very timely in the era of global warming and climate change. I can think of lots of other reasons uh, in the rail politique uh, that we inhabit at the I moment. I can think of newspaper headlines. Uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> quite. Yeah. Uh, but weirdly, in New York, just a little while after, on Broadway, Jeremy Strong from Succession is doing his his own production uh, of An Enemy of the People, totally different director. There it's Sam Gold, here it's Thomas Ostermeyer. So there must be something in the water, which actually would be right out of this play. <laughs> there must be something in the water that is fueling people to run towards this particular title. And maybe it's that, I don't know, people are feeling very imperiled at the moment. And so something that represents pushback is is very, you know, powerful yeah. right now. And we live, as ever, I suppose, in an age where whistleblowers are muffled, where... Where, where gas is lit so often, and, and a lack suppose of trust, that is yeah, think, exactly right, and that's what this yeah. is all about. I mean, when this this and this was written by Ibsen in eighteen eighty three, so yeah. it's been yeah. it's a common theme. I'll be fascinated, as it sounds like you will be, Matt, between the difference between the the Broadway and the West End productions, and whether they are state of the world or state of the and nation. And the funny thing also is this addresses. isn't one of the Ibsen plays like a doll's house and ghost mm. that actually does get done a lot. This play gets done relatively rarely, so the fact that it's being done more. Or less at the same time is particularly newsworthy. Love it. It is an enemy of the people at the Duke of York Theatre from 6th of Feb to 6th of April and it's also on on Broadway uh, with Jeremy Strong from Succession getting well method probably uh, with with Stockman. He'll be he'll be divining water as we speak somewhere in somewhere in Buffalo. Um, <laughs> Nancy, back to you for the big life at Royal Stratford. Yeah, so this musical, again, has been is being revived 20 years after it first opened at Theatre Royal Stratford East and then it got a West End transfer, mm-hmm. so, you know, fingers crossed for that. It is a joyous scar musical, which, which, <laughs> uh, which, 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 which takes uh, characters 
who um, have come over on the Windrush. Mm. Um, which, so, of course, it now has a kind of undercurrent of sadness that it doesn't have in its original production, as I believe. I haven't seen it, so I'm excited to be able to. But it's based on Love's Labour's Lost, one of Shakespeare's crappiest My, my sharp intake of breath, by the way, was not, <laughs> the, uh, the, not laughing at a, a Scar musical, but at the three elements, a Scar musical about Windrush set to Love's Labour's Lost. Yes. Well, those quite. three things seem to be put into a Scrabble bag and shaken. Exactly. Somewhat. But, yeah. but, you know, it's one of Shakespeare's most most crap plays, to be honest. Um, but it's being Put it given on the a, poster. Yeah, but it's being given this Windrush generation spin. Three yeah. men, you know, come over from the West Indies. They're keen to build a new life in Britain, swear off wine and women for a year to really knuckle down and get their futures going. But the three women that they meet obviously have their other ideas. Now, um, the, the exciting thing for me, certainly in terms of casting, is that it stars Gabrielle Brooks, who is a woman who is nothing like as famous as she should be. It's absolutely absurd that... No, that, that she's not a kind of huge TV star. You might have seen her as Rita Marley in Get Up Stand Up. Mm-hmm. I just, I love her. She's so charismatic as an actor. She's a knockout singer. And I just, you know, I, I just think that she, you know, she can carry pretty much anything. And I didn't love Get Up Stand Up, but I thought she absolutely mm. shone in that. And this is, you know, this is a tried and tested piece of work. People loved it 20 years ago. And I'm just really excited to see it. And also I think it's wonderful that there's something which gives the joy back to that Windrush generation mm. when it's been, you know, so recently now and so so closely associated with kind of pain and trauma. I think this is a really good a good thing to bring back. And is this a kind is this a sort of is this a lively, jolly, is is this kind of an optimistic work? Yes, I believe of, it is. Yeah. 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 As yeah. I said, I haven't seen it yet and mm. I'm trying not to I mean, Love's Labour's lost. You know, it's a comedy. They usually end pretty well. I think it'll probably be, unless they've done a really, like... They live, ladies and gentlemen, they live, possibly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, That is The Big Life at the Theatre Royal Stratford East from the 16th of Feb to the 30th of March. Short run. So get your dancing trousers on and get down to that. Matt, we're going, we're in more classical, more classic, I should say, Russian territory. Yeah, and I wouldn't say uh, that this is a particularly jolly title, but of all the shows opening in New York the first six months of 2024, this is the one I'm the most excited about. It's a major revival at Lincoln Center Theatre of Uncle Vanya, Chekhov's play, fully American kind of director, uh, new adaptation by Heidi Schreck, who's a wonderful contemporary American dramatist. And what's interesting about this is so often with the classics in New York, they get imported from Britain. You know, there's the successful production of, you know, A Doll's House or, you know, Twelfth Night Shakespeare, Chekhov, you name it, begins at the Dahmer, begins at the National, goes to New York, and everyone says, oh, the British do this so well. Here's an opportunity for Broadway to show that its own talents can rise Mm. to the occasion. And I'm really intrigued to see the title world taken by Steve Carell, who is a film actor I absolutely love. I have no idea whether he's ever even stood on a stage before, but he is such perfect casting, I think, on paper for Vanya, who's one of these kind of middle-aged men in tragic comic despair. There's a lot of comedy in Uncle Vanya, and I think actually Steve Carell can mind that even as you're drawn towards the pathos and the supporting cast is just this incredible who's who, the wonderful actress Nikanani Rose, who does film and Broadway shows in Dreamgirls, Alfred Molina, of course, British actor, now resident has been, in has the It's been States. a while since he... Yeah. He was on stage as well. I mean, a and, long time. Yeah, and he's he's so good. And there's a fabulous actress who was just seen uh, at the National, actually, in the All-American Company of Annie Baker's play Infinite Life, 
Maya Mia Katikbak, and she was phenomenal in Infinite Life, and she's in this as well. So the cast is kind of richly eclectic, which is sort of in keeping with the emotional landscape of the play. And it's it's a play that, if done well, should absolutely sear the soul. And I'm just rooting for it to be good yeah. because, you know, it would be great for Broadway to be able to honor Chekhov. It doesn't happen enough. And we, you came in, and this was probably three or four years ago, Matt, and we talked about the Uncle Vanya in the West End with, with Toby Jones. Yeah, yeah that's right, Richard it. Armitage. So, yeah, the, yeah Richard Armitage is mm-hmm. uh, at staging of it. And what are the... So Toby Jones, a bit like uh, Steve Carell, perhaps... A, a, an actor who's equally at home in comedy and straight acting. What are the what are the what are the what are the bits of Vanya of Uncle Vanya that that these actors can get their teeth into? Well, for one thing, with sort of possible reference to Enemy of the People, there's a character in the play called Astrov who I suppose I don't know if this adaptation is going to be contemporary or not. But you could easily make him into the resident eco warrior of the of the play. Mm. He's somebody who's involved with the land and he's very kind of socially aware. Even though because everyone at Chekhov is is a contradiction, he's very sort of self loathing and critical, but he wants the best for the landscape, for the people around him, but he can't necessarily achieve that. And the emotional terrain of this play is extraordinary because it's around Robin where everyone loves the wrong person and that that is not reconciled. And it has the most wounding ending where the niece of the title character, Sonia, played here by a wonderful American actress called Alison Pill, is is sort of looking forward to a better life. And you just wonder, is that even possible? But maybe it is. And, you know, Chekhov always said that his plays were essentially comic and he didn't want them to be treated as kind of descents into the abyss. Mm. So maybe Lala Neugebauer, who's the wonderful director here, will find that kind of perfect balance, which I didn't really think the Toby Jones, Richard Armitage production did. So it's it. Chekhov is the most um, kind of perfectly calibrated a playwright. It's hard to get right. But when it is right, there's nothing like it. Right. And it's and how just while we're just finally on this one, how interpretable is are, 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 is the is the place you know is the play itself is the is the text? I wonder is that the problem that things are so specifically written down that they're difficult to interpret? No, I think it's that it's just hard to get that Janus face thing between tragedy and comedy, right. laughter and tears. But actually, you know, I think the play oddly is incredibly accessible because the emotions are so immediate. Who hasn't had an unrequited love? Who hasn't wished for something that hasn't been fulfilled? Who hasn't thought, oh, there but for the grace of God go I? So everything is very accessible, but it just has to be done well. It would be interesting as well, won't it? Because surely the Andrew Scott Vanya mm. is going to Broadway. I mean, I, I think it is, but maybe that's just because I, that seems like the only thing that can happen. I haven't heard that, but, you know, he's a big movie star now I mean, after All of Us Strangers. Where else? So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, I'd, I, yeah I'd be, I would be very surprised if that were not announced at some point this year. And I, d- I don't have insider information. I'm just making an assumption. But you feel like it's got enough momentum to I do feel it, right? Like but so. actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was such a short run in London it was as well. An incredibly short run, short did run. really well. Why would you not? But that's a really good point that there is something about this text that I think is endlessly sort of attractive. Whereas I was saying before Enemy of the People is almost never done. Mm. Uh, Vanya's done all the time. It's kind of, especially in the UK, mm. it's like a travelator of Vanya's, not in New York. So it'd be interesting if Vanya and this Uncle Vanya are both done there in the same year. Yeah. You can have a, a Broadway versus West End Vanya off, Enemy of the People <laughs> off. And this takes us back like a coda to Motive in the Queue, which I understand Olivier directed uh, Peter Tool in London at the time that 
that Gilgood was directing. Oh, did he? Uh, oh, right. uh, I yeah. did not know yeah. that. God, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. He, that must have there's really a, there's, an there's an echo in this room. <laughs> that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the case. That's well, good, I, Rob. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've, what have I been doing? I've been researching every Christmas, yeah, guys. You? Yeah, uh, Nancy, we're coming back to you for your final choice, the final choice of the programme, in fact, and that is Sweat. Um, at the Royal Exchange in Manchester. Yes, so uh, this is Lynn Nottage's play. Um, It's opening in Manchester in April, the end of the month. I saw this, as I'm sure you did, Matt, when it premiered uh, in Britain at the Donmar Warehouse, and it was directed by uh, Lynette Linton, who is the artistic director of The Bush now. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a play about life in the American Rust Belt as the opioid crisis is starting to bite and the kind of dissatisfactions and frustrations and racial tensions and class tensions that sort of led to the rise of Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, are bubbling up. She wrote it before he got into power, but it it resonated so, so much because he was very recently in power, I think, when it came out. Mm-hmm. She's a very deep researcher, Lynn Nottage. She spends a lot of time and kind of immerses herself. I don't know how she did that for MJ the musical, but anyway, um, <laughs> she spent time there. In Dancing Rust around Belt. the kitchen like yeah, all of us. Presumably, yes. <laughs> um, and I think those who she spent time with in that part of America felt that she did a really good job of depicting uh, what they were going through um, and what their lives were like and their feelings and the, and so on. And it's, apart from anything else, it's just a fantastic play. She's a great writer. Her dialogue is on point. You never feel like... It's a, it's a very, very traditional straight play and you never feel like you're watching a play. You're just yeah. completely immersed in this in this world. It's got... It's got Brilliant natural dialogue, really meaty characters. I'm just, it's, I'm Manchester is my uh, hometown. I grew up there, and I'm just really excited for audiences there to see yeah. it because I think they'll really love it. And there's a sort of bit of shared history with the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whatever it might be, of uh, of, of the United States that she writes about or she's writing about here in Manchester. I suppose there is a post-industrial story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's got yeah, yeah, those, yeah. that 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 sort of background, although. The difference is that, you know, Manchester has kind of just sort of continually reinvented itself and this and, and you know, whatever's going on in this community that she writes about, it's mm. it's stagnant and it can't go anywhere. Is this typical of Lynn Nottage's work? Well, this sort of working class uh, mm. factory floor kind of thing. I mean, I don't... <clears throat> Matt might know better than I do, but I, <laughs> the last thing I saw by Lynn Nottage... Well... Actually, the last thing I saw by Lynn Nottage was at the Donmar, and it was actually a sequel to this play. Okay, much more of a comedy about finding joy in the perfection of a sandwich. About but it food. had, yeah, but it had <laughs> about food. But it had yeah. a, it had a one of the characters from this play is transposed. Uh-huh. It's it's post post this, but his um, but but the other play that I saw by her this year was about a dead elephant. So it was okay. about the well. It was about the. Internet. That seems now like a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, but it was. It's a, it, but it was about. I suppose the thing that's typical is the kind of deep, deep, deep research. It was about the international ivory trade, mm. and it jumped all over the globe and many, many different characters. But you always felt that she knew exactly what she was writing about. You never felt like she was sort of coasting the subject. It was really. Really, really well done, but it was haunted li- almost literally by the ghost of a dead elephant, <laughs> which yeah. we're not going to snigger at. We're no. just going to take that 
And anything can happen on the stage. Indeed it can. Right. So that That's is... the magic of it. <laughs> <laughs> that is Sweat at the Royal Exchange in Manchester. And that is on from the 26th of April until the 25th of May, just under a month to catch that in Manchester. That is all for this week. My thanks. Oh, my great thanks to Nancy Durrant and Matt Wolf. Thank you both very much. Thanks what a wonderful year ahead we've got. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Let's hope. Let's really hope. wonderful stuff. And a bit of a sort of pugilistic uh, uh, Broadway versus West End vibes. Yeah, as well, the motive in the queue. You know, even toasts during the show to Broadway. Yeah, so, yeah, indeed. Yeah, exactly. So thank you very much, both. Monocle on Culture is produced by Sophie Monaghan-Coombs and Steph Chungu, and Steph also edits the show. We'll be back at the same time next week. But until then, from me, Robert Pound, thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.